Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. We're live? We're live. live. All right, welcome to Table Talk. That was not not a countdown. (laughs) Sorry, we're here without the vicar today who normally runs our tech ops. Yeah, and I just said welcome to Table Talk, so we're off to a good start. (laughs) Welcome to One Decent Pastor. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Should we explain that again for those that maybe we didn't tune in last? Yeah. Yeah. It do, is, does the intro work on that? Well, <laughs> like not on, only the, on the podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. Only on the podcast, okay. not on not on the YouTube thing. Oh, okay. so, so, yeah. One Decent Pastor, we always had a joke that the three of us together make One Decent Pastor. So. <laughs> it's not even a joke. So it's not a joke. It's true. <laughs> yeah. But it came off as Although like people we laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. That's what I mean. But it's actually true. So. It's laughable, but yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> so we just figured that, that that name needs to stick. Yep. So, so this will be the second week of us actually um, adding this as a podcast for those that uh, wanted something beyond the YouTube uh, live stream. You can watch it there or you can tune into the podcast. Either one works. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan's gone. Yeah. Mexico. Jordan landed safely in Mexico City he took He took pictures for us immediately. Yeah. We won't yeah. tell you what up. <laughs> Some Roman Catholics. Some vestiges. Uh, yeah. yeah, Holy Grail shop. There was a, a green bathrobe in that picture that was pretty cool. That was not a bathrobe. I think that was something that the priest might wear. But I didn't. I thought, green's not my color, so I couldn't. <laughs> but hopefully uh, he and Marcy are having a great time away. Yep. They'll be gone for a while. So, uh, so get used be, to this right yeah, here. Yeah, get used to this. That's right. Chad, yeah. Chad's got a whole lot of room over here. I know. Yeah. Like stretch out. And mm-hmm. Yep, Nobody to nice. bug you or pastor you. Or <laughs> I know. I don't have to argue with anybody. That's right. Well, you might, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, we'll, probably, we'll probably get someone else to sit in every once in a while, too. So yeah. yeah. Get Mr. Welch over and whoever. Yeah. We're continuing on with uh, some questions that we feel like are important for the church, uh, things that people have asked in the past. So we've been the ones coming up with the questions. We're still open to other people sending them in. But today we're going to be talking about, I think it's titled, Your Favorite Subject. Yeah, these are the ones uh, you've been waiting for. End time stuff. <laughs> and and so, we're going to answer every detail. Detail to every single one of them. We have, we, we have a lockdown completely. We have it understood. Yeah, Com- yeah. yeah we have we it understood. Figure we know it, what every symbol, every metaphor means. It's funny so. how the longer you look at this subject, the less you understand. Right. That's exactly. <laughs> that's why. That's why nobody likes to talk about it at times. I mean, some people really like to talk about it, but yes, for us, we we've avoided it um, mostly. But it is important, and it is yeah. worthwhile, and and uh, so we're going to try to attempt to talk about a couple things to do with end times. It's today. at least w- yeah. worth reading the scriptures. Yeah. Since they are portions of our Bible. Yep. They're it's probably, probably worth mentioning, too. Like, when we first started our live stream, that, that we did, I think, five weeks, didn't we, on end-time stuff. And it was super, you know, broad. You're right. Yeah, you know, we did start But, there. you know, for anybody yeah. that maybe wants more detail than what we get into today, yeah. you could look back to the beginning of uh, yeah. Table Talk and get five weeks of goodness. Yeah. Because yeah. I think all we did, like, what was that, maybe three or four weeks that we spent? I think it was five. Was it five? Yeah. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> one for each view like plus twice. one. And I think all we did was shoot holes in like every single like prominent view that's yeah. out there, and then like walked away. Yeah, we like insulted everybody. We just dropped just the mic. Yeah, exactly. was that wrong? Was that no? I, I I thought it was a good way to approach it. You know, but because there are holes to shoot in each view. No, every right. every view has problems, and I think we have um, figured it out. No, we we've learned over the years what, maybe what we don't believe. Yes. And some of what we believe, but we definitely don't have it all figured out. I think what, still, what I've learned is more to focus like on the things that are clear about the last days instead of the things that aren't. Right. And I think we're all intrigued and we all tend to spend more time on the things that aren't clear. Right. Because there's this interest in wanting to figure it out and wanting to crack the code and wanting to find that clarity that we've never had. And mm-hmm. so we kind of gravitate towards the unclear where like... I've just learned that it's it's pretty good just to just to focus on the clear stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And today we're going to try to talk about unclear stuff. Well, Lord help us. We need it. <laughs> we need your wisdom, and, and we pray that this would be something that would benefit the church. So, Amen. Um, 
As far as uh, a couple things to announce real quick, if you are part of the Lapine Door, this Friday night is our annual town hall meeting, so plan to be there at 6.30 at the, at the LP location. Mm -hmm. And then the following Friday will be the one for the, the Sun River location. So mm -hmm. uh, try to be there if you can. We're going to possibly try to live stream it. We'll see if we have the, the ability and, and all of that. If not, we'll at least record it, hopefully. So, yeah. By the way, shout out to Chad for figuring this thing out while Jordan was gone today. So. Yeah. Don't, we, don't, we don't have any viewers, so I, I think it's figured out, but there's nobody on, so I don't know. <laughs> Is that unusual? <laughs> Should we see if it's going? I don't know. I got an email saying that we went live, so I, I think we're good. But uh, Okay. Yeah, we'll <laughs> pull it up on your phone, Brent, okay. so we can get an echo. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And the screen, it, sa it says that we're live. Okay. So, well, we might be. So you're telling us there's a chance. Yeah. Oh, we got one viewer. Maybe that's there right now. I'm not on yet. So. Oh, okay. Well, some, somebody's on then. Yeah. So, all right. Don? Yeah. And, uh, and Jordan, for some reason, my phone's not coming up. Oh, I can, I've got my computer right here. Yeah. Gee, this kind of takes us back to the early days of table talk. Like, are we live? Is anybody there? Yeah. Is, are we on? Yeah. <laughs> we just fumbled and bumbled for a while. <laughs> well. Yeah, I, I think we're. I think we're probably good. Okay, cool. So, so in times, so where where do we stand on these things, and 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 why? Well, it's yeah. gonna happen. That's where I stand. God is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you said something about um, focusing on what we know to be true. What, what do we know for certain? We know Jesus is coming back. Yeah. We know that he's coming to uh, judge the godless and to collect the godly, yeah. those who are his, I mean. Um, so we, we, know, we know that. We know it's going to be a terrible day for the you know, earth dwellers that don't know him, and it's going to be a fantastic day for those of us who are awaiting his return. So that we are mm -hmm. banking on 100%. That's something we would go to the mat on, you know, go to the mat on, or yeah. go to the mat for, and die for. Yeah. That's that's a that's that's our yes. blessed hope as Christians. Yes. If we don't have that, yeah. if His promise of coming isn't happening, we're in big trouble. Yeah. So I would say an event of a bodily resurrection for the godly mm -hmm. is in the in the bag. That's clear, and that's kind of what we what I got to preach on last week. We're in that section in Thessalonians, the entire chapter of First Corinthians 15. Um, is really clear about this uh, this bodily resurrection of the saints, this event uh, upon his appearing. So we know that that's true. Yep. So that we're, we're our spirit is going to be married once again to a body, but a glorified body. Yep. Yeah. The the part that we don't have uh, real clear is all of the the, the details as far as Correct. how that how this all times out. Right. So. So, um, you know, the rapture is something that is, uh, gets talked about a lot. That's what you taught on last week, mm -hmm. and you'll be teaching it in Sun River this week. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, uh, that's the, um, the, probably the part that, that causes the biggest, you yeah. know, where we go, uh, go awry with other views or, you know, the people kind of differ on this one. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's the, maybe somebody define the rapture? Well, it's, it's just to be snatched up or caught up. So, like the word's actually kind of violent. Like in the Greek, like it's a violent <laughs> catching up or snatching away. Um, and then where we actually find it is in First Thessalonians chapter 4. When I can read it if you want. Christ comes, raises, raises the dead, and then snatches up those who are alive and remain. Yeah. So, yeah, read it. So, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep or died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another yeah. with these words. Mm -hmm. That last part's super important because yeah. I think we terrify each other with mm -hmm. these words right. sometimes, or we confuse people with these words. Well, and we Paul, fight. Over we fight words. over them. <laughs> Paul meant for this to be something that would to bring encouragement to the church. Exactly. And and if it's not doing that, you're not doing it right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so that's. And that was the thrust of the sermon last week too. Yeah. Was like it. There's a whole, like there's a purpose for eschatology, and it's not what it's become. You know, for a lot of us where it's fighting and mm -hmm. fragmentation of the church and I'm smarter than you, and uh, but it's actually meant to actually bring us together and strengthen us as we're looking at the appearing yeah. of and, Christ. And like it's been something that people divide though. Like I have never in my life understood why people divide. It's crazy, people, dude. I mean, I can understand people having, you know, strong thoughts about, you know, this view or that view or whatever, yeah. but I've never understood why people divide yeah. over it. Yeah. It's become one of those sacred cows, hasn't it, yeah. for some people and um, like an essential 
Um, and you and I, well, all three of us were in one of those churches that actually is kind of partially responsible for mm-hmm. um, for elevating, you know, eschatology to a point that like yeah. that shouldn't M- be. Making it a hill to die on. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, and I think there was a, t- a point where I think some of it is because of, there's confusion over what it is. And that's why I wanted to, you know, maybe talk about real quickly what it is. We were accused one time by somebody that was coming to church here of not believing in a rapture. Uh, they said right. that, you know, the pastors at the door don't believe in a rapture. Right. Well, that's not true. Yep. We just don't believe that it precedes, yeah. you know, the time of tribulation, that we're not pre-trib rapture. And yep. so so those would be the kind of d- the distinctives is yep. that there's people that believe that it's going to happen before this event known as the Great Tribulation. Yeah. Some believe it's a seven-year period. You know, some some might, you know, try to change that a little bit. But, but the idea that Jesus will come back um, secretly to snatch the church up before this great tribulation period, and that's yeah. the pre-trib rapture view. So we don't we don't believe that that's correct because of you know we, at one time we all did, but we've been mm-hmm. challenged by it. We don't we don't think that way any longer. We still believe it's going to happen. We just put it at the end of the tribulation right. period when Jesus returns. Right. And so we would say that the rapture and the resurrection are the same thing. According think, to what you just read, according yeah, it to what seems you, yeah. like it, yes. Yeah, and I think that's where there's confusion. I think that the, somebody that's pre-trib rapture necessarily has to have two different resurrections. Yes. Everybody who's died before Rest. the Great Tribulation period, before the secret coming, yes. that's one resurrection, yes. a rapture, catching up, yes. whatever you want to call it. And then you have to have a second one right. at the end because if you read about you know what's talked about in Revelation, there's, there's a number of saints that can't be, or there's a... Saints that can't be numbered, a number of saints that can't be numbered. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> right. um, that are going who are to, these? Oh, they yeah. are those who have come out of the Great Tribulation. People who died. Mm-hmm. You know, so saints. there's a lot of death going on after yep. the, the pre-tribulation rapture, if there's a pre-tribulation yeah. rapture. And yeah. they have to be resurrected right. too. So now you have to have, you end up, you know, you've mentioned this in your sermon, you, you, you necessarily have to have two comings, yes. a private coming of Jesus and a public coming. And the private coming, in fairness, they would say he doesn't come all the way to the earth. He only comes, you know, partway down yeah. in the clouds. You have to have two resurrections or two raptures, yeah. however you want to phrase that. But I think people think there's something. Well, the, the rapture mm-hmm. is a catching up of the body, yes, not the soul, and that's why you have to have two resurrections. It is a resurrection. Yeah, yep. it absolutely is. I think that's. I think people try to change that up a they little do. bit, but it's when you view it as yep. a resurrection, you have to have two. If we're all vanishing, yeah. then then our bodies are actually vanishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Well, that's the whole point of that. Is that like we know that to be absent. You know, from the Lord is to, or from the body is to be present. That's why we have so cemeteries right people now. People in the intermediate state right yep. now that are waiting to match up, you know, come together with their bodies again. Um, you also have to have two last trumpets if you're being you consistent. You, you know, and that's something a pre-trib rapture person has to mm-hmm. has to reconcile. Um, two last trumpets because mm-hmm. what we just read talks about, you know, and in First Corinthians when, when it talks about how we'll be changed in a moment, yes. the twinkling of an eye talks about the last trumpet. So, so those are things you have to wrestle with. If you believe in the post-trib rapture, which in fairness, that, that encapsulates more than just, I mean, something like an AML person could fall into that yeah, saying, sure. even though they're not post-trib, that's confusing, I won't right, all that, right. but, but you end up with one resurrection, one coming of the Lord, and one last It's trip. cohesive. Yes. So, yeah. so it's not fragmented, Correct. where you've got these different obscure events that sound the same, but aren't the same. Like everything's cohesive when you look at it as one event. Right. You touched on that in your sermon too. Um, yeah. that, that the idea, if you study out these these phrases, the coming of the Lord, yeah, the day of the Lord, the, yeah, the parousia, the, the day of the Lord, um, the idea of a rapture, anything that has to do with the gathering being caught up or anything like that. If you just take these, study out those phrases and find, you know, whether in the Bible, yeah. you don't have to do a lot of gymnastics. You know, I think that the early church would have read these things and they would have understood something very sure. clearly from them. Yeah. Whereas if you have a system that you've now brought in that says, no, all this, there, there's this coming and there's this coming. There's this day of the right. Lord and there's this day of the Lord. There's this resurrection and there's this. You really have to play around with things to make yeah. that so. And if you just read it simply yeah. the way it seems to come across and be consistent with those phrases mm-hmm. and you find them, you, you probably will come up with something. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we want to believe in a pre-trib rapture? <laughs> <laughs> because <clears throat> who wants to go through tribulation, right? Amen. I mean, that's kind of the one that, like, maybe if, if we had, if we hoped one was true, it might be that one. But, um, you know, Hollywood hasn't helped us with that. And, <laughs> you know, right. the, the early church didn't have movies and books to, <laughs> you know, to, to help them with that kind of a view. But, yeah, I mean, anything we can do to avoid tribulation, sign me up. Amen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's the view I like the best. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, I mean, in all, in all fairness, like, some of those guys that hold to a pre-tribulation rapture will say, well, it's not just about escaping. It's about, like, the wrath of God. Like, the judgment of God is coming upon the earth. He's going to focus his anger on the earth. And that um, uh, 
that wrath is not directed. It's not reserved for the children of God. So they'll kind of put that mm-hmm. spin on it, right? But just like we see in, um, in many cases throughout our Bible that the wrath of God or the judgment of God has come upon places, he's able to keep or protect right. his people, right? And so like even in, uh, what is it, one of the letters to the, to the church is one of the seven letters to the churches in the beginning Revelation of Revelation. Three. I can't remember. Is it Revelation mm-hmm. 3? Where he says that he will keep them from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world. That doesn't have to mean that they're removed. Right. right? I, like, I mean, there's a number of ways that God can keep them. And then you even see, I think, in Revelation, I don't know if it's 7 or 11, uh, where before the bowls, the judgments poured out, you see the angel come with, to the 12 tribes and, and mark off those who belong to God, right? He puts marks on them. He doesn't remove them, but he marks them off so that the things that are about to happen don't happen to them. And so, like, it just doesn't have to mean that sure. that we, we don't exist for God to, like, bring his wrath upon the world. Well, when you have biblical history that shows that, that Christians have not been removed from for trials sure. and tribulations, sure. and, and, like, there's some gnarly things right. that happen to Christians right. throughout biblical with, history. With men, well, though, right? Yeah. So, so that's the so distinction. The difference between, yeah. between yes. God's... Between, um, Persecution and between wrath. So, so right. in regards to wrath, um, God protecting His people or, or bringing yes. them through it. You have examples of, you know, the in Egypt. You know, when you mm-hmm. when you had the Passover, anybody who had that marking above their door, right. the the you know the wrath passed over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Noah. You know the same kind of thing that that some people were swept away by God's wrath, and the people that were left were you know right. protected through it. Yeah. And so we see God do that consistently, and you even see it with the two witnesses and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. He can protect them through yeah. those things. But when it comes to persecution, that's the part that I think people, you know, we somehow as American Christians think that we shouldn't ever have to go through persecution right. and that God should pull us out before that comes. Just use the P word. We're, we're privileged. Privileged. That was a prosperity. <laughs> we're privileged. Yeah. Well, it's a prosperity gospel mindset too. It's this yeah. idea that we should not ever have to go through yeah. anything difficult. We should only receive blessings in this world. Right. And you're just focused on the wrong world. You know, right. that, that's true, but it's not the, it's the kingdom to come, not this kingdom. That's right. And so I think that's why this view has come about and, and why people like it so much is that it, it means we don't have to go through hard things. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the wrath of God, I want to back up to that for a second. Why don't we have to go through, why can we be convinced that during that period of time we don't have to go through the wrath of God? Because somebody's already taken the wrath for us. <laughs> yes. I mean, right. The cross. Yeah. yeah. The wrath went on to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. He That's who it. knew no yeah. sin became sin so that we could yeah. become the righteousness of God. Right. And that, that's hugely important. So that you know, even in the section I'm going to be in this week in First Thessalonians five, it says, for, "For we are not appointed to wrath, brothers." Yeah. And and some people would say, mm-hmm. "Okay, that's therefore you know we won't be here during this time." No, right. we just won't receive wrath during Correct. that time. We may be here. Correct. And um, and it's very possible that like that very statement is speaking more to the eternal state that God has has um, predestined. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the wicked, which is hell, um, right. because it's offset by salvation. He has not appointed us to wrath, but mm-hmm. unto salvation. And so it, it may not even be like what he's doing earthly. It could just be this, the final statement. Yeah. Well, and the idea even that there will be Christians around when the Jesus comes back to open the, you know, when the bowls and the trumpets yeah. and, and all that happen, will, will, will there even be believers right. around? Because there's a verse in, in one of the Gospels, I can't remember where it's at, but it, it, Jesus says, you know, when the Son of Man returns, will, right. will he even find faith? Right. Were there gonna be, is there going to be anybody here? You know, because in, and according to what we read, most Christians will probably be mm-hmm. you know, done away with at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so it's important for us to make a distinction when we're looking at eschatology between the wrath of man, which is going to be full force at the end. Yep. We know that man's going to be more harsh and more violent and more aggressive towards the, the people of God. Yeah. Um, so there's wrath of man going on, which a lot of Christians are, a lot of blood's being shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's the wrath of God going on on those aggressors of the church also, which is the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. So those are two things that we need yeah. to recognize are, are happening, and they're different. Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons yeah. there's another view that people hold to, sometimes called the, the mid-trib. Yeah. Uh, three and a half years of rapture. horror and three and a half years of peace. Yeah, so that the idea is that at the middle of the time, that's when Jesus pulls the church out. And again, you still have the same problems that you have the pre-trib. You, you know, you still end up with two comings, two trumpets, sure. two... So Wednesday raptures? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I think uh, all of us at one time were in the pre-trib camp. Yeah. Um, we were all challenged with that view and, 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 you know, asked to defend it biblically. And when we went in with that kind of seed of maybe this isn't the right view, we all came out at the, out the other end kind of yeah. thinking something different. Yeah. So now are we just bent on winning an argument and, and trying to make sure 
that people <laughs> see it the way we see it because we're rad and they're not? Is, yes. that, is that the goal T of totally, when we yes. talk about this? Do we just like to mess with people and win arguments? Yes. Why, do, why, do we, why do we rock the boat? Why do we talk about these things? Well, it's a, we have a responsibility to. I mean, first and foremost, like if, if, we, if we have the responsibility given to us by God to, um, to handle this well and to, to minister it to others, then we want to be right. And so it's really about discovering the truth. That's why it matters. Like, truth does matter. And there's a lot of <coughs> non-truth that creeps into the church. It always has. That's why mm -hmm. God has given the church teachers and preachers is so that we can continue to, to calibrate um, and offset the lies and correct the error. And so, um, I, I don't know, I think that's why. Is, is Number one, it's in our Bible, so we're preaching through it right now on Sundays because we're just we're in a section that talks about last things. And so how do we find the truth, the things we can know in that? And it's going to probably correct some error yeah. along the way. Yeah. So, but, it, but it matters. Well, and I think our approach too is, has been, you know, like we try to be humble in it. And, yeah. You know, we kind of joked in the beginning, like, you know, we've got this locked down mm -hmm. and got it right. Like, we don't. No. You know, our, our focus has been on, you know, here's the things that we can know, you know, for sure, and, and, and we can stand on those things, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of more with a closed fist. But the things that we don't know, um, you know, we're, we're humble about it. We certainly have some, some views and some thoughts about it, but, you know, we're not trying to win anybody to a particular view as much as we're trying to win people to Christ sure. uh, in His Word. Sure. And so, you know, we, we try to take a, you know, kind of a humble approach. Yeah, knowing that we've been wrong before and yeah. that we could be wrong again. I'm not great at predicting future events or, right. or, or getting nailed. I'm pretty good at the stuff that's behind me. I can, I can nail that right. almost 100% <laughs> of the time. Not always, but most of it. But the, the future stuff's harder. But I, I think for me, the, the big thing, the reason that I, I'm willing to rock the boat and ruffle feathers and even make some people mad is is because if you bought into a system that says you're not going to be here when, when it all starts to go down, yeah. and then it all starts to go down, where does that leave you? Yeah. You know, and I think that's going to describe a lot of a lot of Christians sure. that that have, you know, they're going to assume maybe I'm not a Christian, maybe that the Bible's not true, maybe you know, I mean, they're mm -hmm. going to assume a lot of wrong things. So if we open them up to the possibility that there is a there is a long standing history of a different view than maybe what Christians hold today, um, that maybe we will have to go through this, mm -hmm. and 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 if you do, it's okay because again, <coughs> Paul is saying comfort each other with these words. Um, this is terrifying stuff if, if we're going to go through it. And he's saying, no, there's still encouragement to be found. There's still yeah. comfort to be found in knowing that you, you will have to go through it. So as terrifying as it is, um, and we may have to go through it, um, it doesn't mean God has forsaken us or sure. you know, we can still be comforted with a hope. Um, that Christ is going to return, set up his kingdom, and that we're going to be okay through all of sure. this. Well, I think you, you bring up a, a good point, too, and just like kind of this, you know, kind of Hollywood-shaped view, like that's that's pretty new, historically speaking. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot Darby. of people that hold, you know, whatever view they hold probably just have not considered church history and, and orthodoxy throughout the ages right. and, and, you know, what did people think 2,000 years ago? Well, that's the saddest part, and that's why it's good to actually challenge it. Is mo most people sit on whatever they were first taught, right. especially when it comes to, well, about anything, but, but especially something time, like eschatology is you hear one thing and you just you just go okay well that's that's it and you become a student of that one thing without mm -hmm. ever considering any other possibilities you know what yeah. i mean and and i think that's why it's important for us to challenge it too i think it's fair game to yeah. challenge it is because that's that's what the bible would call ignorance and paul starts that whole section by saying i would mm -hmm. not have you be ignorant and so what does that mean if i have a misunderstanding i want to know Right. If I'm off on something, I, I want to know, yeah. and so it's good for us to sharpen each other, even with, you know, these things. Well, it, it seems like a lot of Christians too, like, like even if they would consider themselves students of other views, like they're learning other views to shoot them down, not to consider the possibility that so, maybe what right. I've always held to right. you know, might not be. So a presuppositional investigation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good term for it. I'm going to yeah. share. I was going to share this on Sunday, but I mean, I, I was, you know, in Bible college. Um, they, they basically taught us, here's the, the right view about end times, pre-trib rapture. Yeah. And here's everything. That's the smart one. Yeah. And then here's a bunch of dumb views that dumb people have. And yeah. if you want to be dumb, you can, yeah. you can, you know. And it's like, well, I don't want to be dumb, so I'm going to hold right. this view. So I was, that was my, you know, that's what I started with. So, of course, this isn't, you know, wrong and, and everything else is dumb. So I wasn't, everywhere I went to the scriptures, I was trying to find this view. And I wasn't willing to not see it because yeah. that's dumb. And, and that really changes everything. The yeah. moment that somebody though said to me, hey, can you defend that? Can you go back into scriptures thinking that it might not be right and defend it? And that's where it all started. That was like, you know, where it all started to come undone yeah. for me. Yeah. 
and uh, and stuff that it was I mean it's amazing I mean this is I'm getting into my stuff already but uh, you know stuff that I sections that I went to that I thought for sure defended my view all of a sudden were like doesn't defend my view exactly. at all it actually yeah. says the opposite because exactly. I was willing to see it then sure. you, yeah you start realizing how much um, like presupposing you had to do yeah like hermeneutically when you start actually going to the texts that you thought were the quintessential texts mm -hmm. for pre-tribulation rapture because you're just reading it for what it is at some point and then you're going oh crap like that's not <laughs> saying like what i was taught that it said right. you're having to read things into it for yeah. it to say what you were taught that it said well so. and you miss stuff yeah. that's right there that's clearly not i mean the one that i'm getting into right now is that you know the secret rapture in chapter yeah. five and you start just looking at it, and it's like, there's nothing about this that talk, it doesn't no. talk about this at all. Right. It's talking about sudden destruction coming on the wicked when Jesus comes back. Exactly. I mean, that's what it's talking exactly. about. It's not even, it's just not there. Yeah. Exactly. But, but if you want to see Thief it, in the night. you'll find it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get in. You'll tune in on Sunday, <laughs> and I'll, I'll offend you then. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till the end but of the But we do not sleep as others do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, it's, it's a relief, though, to, you know, to know that, this can't be figured out completely. Yeah, we can't figure yeah, it out completely, sure. and it's okay. We don't need to. Yeah. yeah so, so let's stand on solve what, the mystery. Let's stand on what we can yeah. know when we when we exposit scripture, which is to expose what's there, not what's not there. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Anything else you guys want to talk about as far as our end times? No, I think what you said is important, though. Like, a, like it's a shame that a lot of people have no idea that there's op there's other options right. in the rapture. It's not preacher rapture or no rapture. No, we we every Bible student believes. There is a rapture because we're told in First Corinthians or First Thessalonians chapter four that there's a rapture, but it doesn't have to be only in this place on the timeline. Yep. It can be in other places on the timeline. It's worth looking at. Yep. I'll put you guys on the spot because I know people want to know if you were <laughs> if you were to be uh, in a camp right now, as far as your eschatology, what what camp would you align with? Oh, <laughs> I would. I would be. Uh, I would probably be 50 parts, 50 parts <laughs> historic, premillennial, and um, post-trib. Post-trib, yep. And I would probably be 25 parts all mill in ways and probably 25 part preterist in ways. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's quite the mix. I don't know. Like yeah. I, I, a little of everything. Yeah. That book, uh, Revelation, Four Views Paralleled, like ruined me a little bit. And, and it's like one of the best things I read, like, you know, eschatology-wise, because it, it's just a fair representation of each of the views that have been held and why they're held by, by the people that are fans of those views. So it's not by a guy that's trying to tell you what these mm -hmm. people believe. It's by them. That's what I wish I would have had in Bible comments. Yes, and it walks through the scriptures with these guys commentating from each camp. And you're just going... Gosh, there were some good things said there, and then you go to the next one. You're like, gosh, there were some good things said there, and then you go and you and you just find that it's big. There's a reason why there's not a standard of eschatology in the church, and why there's never been a standard. There may have been more dominant views or positions, you know, historically in the church, but not um, like people have always kind of fallen all over the place because that's the nature of, of prophecy. Yeah. Like you said earlier, you, the the nature of prophecy is that you don't the the light doesn't go on. Until it occurs, and then you go, oh, oh, yeah, you know, yep, so. yeah, for sure. Um, that book is a great reference. Was, you, you know, I know, but I just want to make sure that Steve Gregg for yeah, Steve four views parallel. Yeah. If, if you've never, if you ever want to study this out, it gives you know for all the different views side by side as you walk through the, the book of Revelation, and it gives a fair representation yeah. of each view. So great resource. To really have. good, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I don't know if I'm quite the mix you are, but I would say you know, definitely have an odd mill leaning. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think when we did our Revelation series, the beginning of Table Talk, we all kind of at the end of that five weeks, I think we all kind of said this is you know our leaning, yeah. you know for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I grew up, you know, like you referenced earlier in a, in a church that just you know that taught you know the the Kirk Cameron view of um, you know eschatology, and it's just I just kind of took that as you know truth for a long time and, until I had to start to look into some of these things for myself. And, and as I've started to look into them, you know, definitely have moved away from that and, and leaned towards an all-mill view. Yeah, I would say the same. I, you know, started out pre-trib rapture view, premillennial in that regard, and I'm still, I still, I still think there's a part of me that's historic premillennial, yeah. just with the the rapture coming at the end of the tribulation period, so post-trib view. Yeah. But the more I've looked into the all-mill, the mm -hmm. all-millennial view, um, which I used to make fun of and 
ridicule and yeah. you know just oh well if Satan's bound he sure is on a long leash yeah. and, you know, I mean I said all that, I was really kind of hostile towards it yeah. and and we have some good you know brothers out there that are in, in that camp that are, are happy to see us kind of at least considering it yeah. and and there's some good arguments from a lot of good godly people mm-hmm. that For hold sure. that view For sure. and so I'm still I'm still a student um, and, still learning and just in, in fairness like a historic pre-mill view and an all-mill view are are extremely close in every way they are except except for one and yeah. like they're basically the same view except well for what the millennium the, the millennium is a hard thing to explain i mean it really is yep. you know it's a difficult thing to explain and mm-hmm. and we're not even going to try to get into that maybe that's another question down the road but but you know it's a tough one so yeah. um, anyway the only other one i was going to throw out real quick before we jump into the next one is the idea of imminency um, so that's the knock on on us right now is that we aren't, you know, Christ's return can't be imminent mm-hmm. because you're going to, you know, see all these things happening. And so have you guys, do you guys have an answer for that? Or do you, do you want to talk about it? Are you, mad, are you mad that I brought it up? No, not mad. <laughs> just kidding. What do we do with that? Because that's what, that's, I know if somebody's out there on the other side, they're going to say, what do you do with that? You know, so. Right. Jeff. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say B. <laughs> um. You know that's been that's been again one of the challenges with with certain positions over the years is that you have a lot of language in here um, that that the Lord can come at any time. So I think there's a difference between um, like imminency, like knowing that Christ can come at any time, um, but also having like road signs that tell you that it's coming. And I think the Bible, I think eschatology in the Bible gives us both. So I, I believe that there's a there's a language of imminency. But I also believe that we're gonna, we're getting into it right now in Thessalonians. Yeah. Second Thessalonians is going to be even more because he's going to actually write to them in that second letter saying, this has not happened and it will not happen until you see some things, right? And so you have examples in, in eschatological writings in the Bible of both. Yeah. So I think, I think we are to be ready. We are to be prepared knowing that God can do what he wants when he wants to and that it will be sudden. Sudden. Um, but also the church is not sleeping, they're awake, so they're, they're able to discern the seasons and see when we're getting close mm-hmm. to the imminent return of Christ. Yeah, and you'll see that in chapter 5, what I'm about ready to go into. He says, you know, regarding the times and the seasons of the day of the Lord, I have no reason to write to you guys. Right. He's saying you guys are going to know the times and the seasons. In Matthew 24, where I was told that the, the Jesus was talking to the, the Jewish people, but it says his disciples came to him privately and said, what are going to be... Correct the signs of your coming. And he said, nobody can know the day or the hour. Correct. But the idea is that you will know the times and the seasons. And then we see that reinforced in Second Thessalonians yeah. chapter 2, yeah. where they thought they'd missed the coming. And he said, again, no, guys, you remember I told you, these are the things you need to watch for and look for. Yeah. And so day and the hour, we can't know. But we're to live our lives as though it can happen right. at any time. <clears throat> for sure. Um, you know, and yet we will have some, you know, some things that are going to be signs in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think it's ironic, though, that um, even if the pre-trippers are being honest, there are things that have to happen that haven't yet. Oh, for sure. That they, so they, they, they still have a problem with imminency, even if they don't well, want to in acknowledge it. In other words, they would look at it the same way we do. They, they would know that there's, 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 road, there's street signs yes. that God has given us to know when we're getting close. Yep. Um, and, and that's all I'm saying. Well, and the big so, one is the yeah, temple. Same. You know, a, yeah. again, a, a good pre-trip. For them, yeah. Um, yeah. person would say that the temple has to be rebuilt. Yeah. So you could, I mean, you could, I guess, say that if they pulled permits today and it was going to take them three and a half years to complete it, you <laughs> right. know, maybe you could have that <laughs> argument. But right. but it's it's a problem because right. it's probably going to take a while to build. Right. And so you've got that. Anyway. Well, well I think yeah. at the end of the day, you know, whether Christ returns tomorrow or, you know, beyond our lifetime, you know, a thousand years from now or whatever, like we should still have the same urgency as Christians to make sure that, that, you know, we're telling people about Christ's coming and who he is and what he's done and that we're taking on, you know, the the great commission to to proclaim the good news of the gospel, um, whether it's tomorrow or a thousand years from now. Yeah, because there is is an eminency. I mean, it's not, it's not maybe considered eschatology, but we live in a, in a, a, you know, a daily uh, reality of imminency. Mm-hmm. No, we don't know when we're going to breathe our last breath and right. to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so just in, in that sense, like it, it, it changes kind of how you live each day and each right. moment. Right. Yeah. So, Oh, and you don't have to read that many headlines today too, to realize like, okay, well, like we're a day closer <laughs> yeah, <laughs> today yeah, for sure. And just with the things going on in the world and trajectory, you know, where everything's heading for sure. You know, it just feels like, man, we're getting closer and closer as time goes on. Yeah. Well, in Thessalonians where those letters were written, 
you know, towards the end of the, the 50s, early 60s mm -hmm. AD. And, and he was telling them at that time, you know, live prepared, right. live yeah. ready. And that's, you know, so th that hasn't changed and we're to live the same way, right. even, even though we will, I think, I think we'll see sign, signposts, like you said, you know, we'll have, we'll have some heads up. But uh, it's exciting to think about. The, the one thing I, I, w I wish more people would dig into this stuff for is that you start thinking about Jesus's return exactly. and what it's going to be like. And that's, yeah. that's glorious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how he st starts that section, right, is um, it, as far as it being a blessing is because it's a, it, ultimately it's a hope now. I mean, the Bible calls it over and over again in the New Testament, our blessed hope, when we consider the return of Christ coming to, to finally change and correct all things. That's a hope, and so, like, it allows us to go through the things now that, right. um, that we don't want to go through, that are, that are yeah. misery. And so, like, every believer, just for that reason alone, should pay attention to the return of Christ. Sure. You know, that's why guys were able to be, to go into the lion's den, Christians, and be eaten by lions. You know, and you know all that stuff. Paul says that in First Corinthians fifteen. We're the most to be pitied of any people group on earth if the resurrection isn't right. true. They're always the hope is always that we're looking to that last day when Christ you know returns. Right. Yeah. So it blesses us now. Yeah, it brings blessing. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys. Like, I think I've lived a lot of my life, and I don't know if this is just because I'm, you know, getting older and, and hopefully, you know, maturing as I get older. But, you know, 20 years ago, you know, like I would acknowledge, okay, Christ is going to return, but I don't know that I hoped for it necessarily. Yeah. Because like life on this earth was pretty good, and and not that it's bad now, but just you know, the more and more that you see the events happening in the world, like I find myself like hoping, like legitimately hoping, like, like you know, Lord, when's this going to happen? Yeah, because you know how how are the what are things going to be in you know ten years from now, fifty years from now, just the way that we're heading, and so I have I think I have a hope now that I haven't always had in sure. my life. Sure. So it's good when your life is miserable because then you'll have <laughs> hope, right? <sure. laughs> well, I, th I think as as Christians, like even in our misery, like that should point us oh, all, for sure. ultimately to hope, right? For sure, man. Um, you know, Romans eight says that you know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. So even even in our misery, that God can be at work and mm -hmm. reminding us of the hope that we have. Yeah. So so that we're not crushed, you know, by our misery. Well, it's true though. If we're completely satisfied now in what this is and what we have, yeah. Why in the world do we want something different? Right. You know what I mean? And so like there, there is a. It isn't that doesn't that hasn't it described the church though in the last you know in America anyway? Oh, yeah, that's the scary you know, part of it. Is that's it, yeah, and, and even even the the solutions people are looking to to yeah. try to keep it yep. are also worldly. No, that's yeah, why you know, yeah. I wish people were consistent with their eschatology because most people believe that things are going to get bad before Jesus comes back. And right now, most Christians are doing everything they can to stop it from becoming yeah. bad. They don't want to see come back. What are you trying to postpone exactly? Yeah. You know, if Jesus is going to come back, then it's going to get gnarly. Yeah. You know, be ready yeah. for it to get gnarly. No, most people practically by their actions, Christians are, are trying to uh, maintain yeah. this this thing now. Yeah. And yeah, that's 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 pretty weird. And, and I think if, if Christians it. worked with the same kind of zeal, you know, towards proclaiming Christ yep. and, and what's to come and the hope that we ultimately have, um, you know, the world might might look a bit different than it does. Yeah. I saw, I saw a meme yesterday, it was the Apostle Paul writing a you know, picture, writing a letter and it said, uh, you know, the apostle Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the church in America. Dot dot dot. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> it just made me laugh. That's awesome. <laughs> it's definitely different. Yeah. yeah. Where well, do I start? Uh, we're at a, a point now where I think we might not want to go into the second topic we were going to talk about today because it's only it's like ten forty. Oh. And I don't think we're going to be we able to. What, what, what have we been doing this whole time? <laughs> Is it already been yapping? Uh, so if we're going to talk about the mark of the beast, I don't think we're going to do it in, in ten or fifteen we'll give minutes. Justice. So um, if you guys are cool with it, we'll we'll hold on to that one until next week. I know David's right. really been excited about so excited about, about that one. You know, this is this is something that is on people's minds right now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. For for a lot of different reasons, you know, you know what's what's how is this all going to go down? And so maybe it would be better to do give it a little bit more time. Yeah, next yeah week. that makes sense. So um, so instead, I'm going to switch to a different question that we had. Um, as a standby, and that is, what is discipleship? And, you know, um, how do you go about the process of discipleship, and, and what's the, you know, kind of what, what's the, the end goal, or how do we get there? This has become like a really, like, hip thing. Like, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Discipleship's a good thing, but it's become <laughs> yeah. like this really hip, like, buzzword, like, are, are you discipling people? Are you, yeah. 
And um, I just, I just think we, this is another thing we, we are capable of, of, of uh, completely, I don't know, confusing in the scriptures. Um, people do that with conversions too, yeah. or you, you just, you know, trying to see people meet Jesus, or are you actually discipling them. Right. right. Yes. They, they make a distinction between converts and disciples. There's not, the there's not, a, there's not a difference. I mean, and so I just want to, yeah. I just want to start with that and get on my soapbox for a second because it's something that I just heard. I had a discussion with a brother in the Lord yesterday, and that's all it was. This discipling thing, like it's something that he does or or that we do, that's completely separate and completely unique from you know, anyone else that's in Christ. And it's like, if you're in Christ, you are a disciple and you are being discipled by means of sitting under teaching, by means of being in fellowship with other people, by means of reading your Bible, like you're, you're a disciple and you're being discipled when you do what Christians do. And the opposite of that is true is if those things aren't happening, then you're not a disciple. True, true. But we tend, what I mean is that there's a lot of people that tend to put it on, on us, like as pastors, like there's this whole separate thing, like, mm -hmm. oh, there's pastoring, there's preaching the word, there's da-da-da, and then there's discipling. Are you discipling people? Right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that you're, you're, you're hitting on something. I mean, first off, I just want to say our, our mission statement, which is just three words, but it implies discipleship in it. It's making, equipping, and sending. Yeah. And so the idea is that we're constantly in the process of making disciples, uh, equipping disciples for ministry and then mm -hmm. sending disciples mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So this is like, you know, it's just an ongoing mission that we have. So yeah. we're all about this. Mm -hmm. But as far as the way we go about it and what it, what it entails, yeah. I think there's a lot of people that view discipleship as like a five-week class That's right, what I'm saying. that you go through yeah. where you sit down at point A, mm -hmm. and by the time you get done with this class, mm -hmm. you're now discipled right and and now you you know you're, you can go out and be yeah, an effective right. christian and it's like i don't know where that came from i don't either <laughs> or, or or that you're taking a person like individually privately and you're dedicating you're like meeting with them once a week right separately like that's discipleship yeah. not not if that person's a part of your church and a part of fellowship and receiving I mean, the word it can be yeah. it, it, it's, it's not, not that limited, it's not but it's that's not that's not it, it in right. and of itself and and so like there's these distinctions that have been made right but yeah yeah i mean we pull our we pull our mission statement off of you know the great commission in in matthew right um what and what he tells us to do there which is to go and make disciples and and a lot of people say he doesn't say go to make converts it's implied it's the right. same it's, it's the, the same, same thing. thing like you don't make it you don't have a follower of jesus unless They've been born again, unless they've been changed, right, and born from above. They're not going to follow Jesus, right? So, like, it, it's implied there. So, yeah, making disciples, which is we're preaching the gospel and we're seeing people get come to the Lord, yeah. right? Um, equipping them, meaning that they're growing in their relationship, and that's by hearing the word preached and being in Christian fellowship and all those things, and then, and then, and then, uh, not holding on to them too tight, letting them go and develop into everything that God's, you know called them to be right yeah. so and, and it's never ending i mean there, there never comes a point where you can say okay yeah. like i'm i'm fully you know yeah. fully functioning disciple totally. you know it's a lifelong pursuit that, that starts that conversion yeah. and and it ends you know when we're face to face with the lord yeah. and so kind of you know lifelong students lifelong disciples if you will exactly so putting you guys on the spot again um how were you discipled or who discipled you what was your process of discipleship uh, I know it's not. I got I got saved, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and then I started going to church and hearing the word of God, and um, like I was hungry for it. So, which I I, I assume is uh, like the correct response for someone that's been saved. Like I like I just couldn't get enough of the word yeah. of God. So I started growing in the word of God and started going <clears throat> to Bible studies because I wanted it to be. I wanted to hear it more than I than just Sundays. I wanted to hear it during the week too, and I wanted to, to have those discussions and have the fellowship with with Christian brothers and sisters during the week. And so I li I literally gorged on um, all things Bible and and Bible study when, as a as a young Christian for years, and it ended up just you know developing. There wasn't necessarily a guy that came into your life. <coughs> well, well, there's been several guys that have come into my life, but that made it times. their mission to sit down with you and do that. Like what we talked there was about. there was a guy that like took me under his wing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so he would take me to Bible studies and we would have, you know, Bible discussions and stuff like that. But I didn't see it as like, oh, this is like this separate thing and I'm his project. Like, right. I saw it as like, this is what Christianity looks like. Yeah. And God's just happened to put this dude in my life and me in his. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't unnatural, 
or something he had to go out of the way to do. It was natural. So more like what you see yeah. Paul, Paul doing with Titus and Timothy, where he just grabbed these guys and said, "Hey, let's go. Yes, let's, yeah. you know, follow. You know, let's let's go do do some damage together. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> yeah. just learned on the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And there's another guy that was the same way, like that influenced me a lot, just because we we happened to spend a lot of time together. We had music in common, and so we were we just were found ourselves around each other. But the number one thing that we would listen to, or that we would want to talk about, was theology. And so again, those those were formative years. Those were years that were just like, gosh, I can't believe how much I mm-hmm. I gleaned from those car rides, you know, after the concert or before the concert or like it. And it's so it's so natural. So really, it's just I think a de- there was a desire in me as a result of being born again um, to to be interested in the Word of God and to want more of it. And so I put myself around mm-hmm. those kind of people. Um, you know, so much more organic yeah. than programmatic. totally natural, yeah, programmatic. totally yeah. or organic. Yeah, totally organic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say similarly for me. Um, you know, although like for me, like it started with my folks. My folks raised me in the church. You know, so that was kind of you know just right out of the gate. You know, had that you know as, as a you know, influence in my life. But you know, over the years, like I can probably come up with a handful, maybe maybe more than a handful of, of guys that have been you know especially influential in my life. Um, and for the most part, it wasn't necessarily that I sought them out and said, hey, can I hang with you and learn from you as much as, you know, they just, you know, kind of like, hey, let's go, <laughs> you know, let's go do this. And just, you know, very naturally, uh, you know, led to some influence. There has been, you know, some some guys where, you know, that I've looked up to and respected where I've said, hey, let, let me just kind of be in your back pocket here for a while and, you know, learn, learn from you and glean from you. But for the most part, it's been, you know, other guys taking initiative, you know, in my life. Yeah. Um, and, and not even saying, hey, I'm going to disciple you, but it's just, you know, through friendships, through, through relationships, through spending time together and things that we talk about and, and, and those kinds of things that has had just tremendous influence over my life. Yeah, I think we overcomplicate discipleship a lot. We, t- we yeah. turn it into some kind of a class or a program or something. Exactly. And it's really just being around other Christians. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said that we're here to teach them all that I've commanded, you know, to follow everything that I've commanded. It's this idea of you teach it by emulation, you teach it by... Um, you know what the other word is, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's <laughs> and it's a learning and yeah. doing, and, yeah. and it's a yeah. one to another like gig, right? Yeah. Just like the Bible talks about. Yeah. It's like the, there's a bunch of one to another's, <clears throat> and and the whole yeah. relationship that we have when we come into the body of Christ is is uh, just a, an entire set of one to another, right? Yeah. And they're not things we have to stop and go wait. Like I need to focus. Sure. Like they're just things now you're that hanging happen. around with people and you're seeing how their marriage works right. and how it's successful and yeah. you're learning right. as you go and you're seeing how they parent their children because we're we're all in this together right. in this way. Right. It's uh, so again more yeah. more organic and and, and in that way, like I'm still a disciple and I'm still being yeah. discipled. Like I will be until sure. the day I die. Like you were talking about and and right now the way that it's naturally being done is with you guys. Yep. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I'm not discipled by you guys by hearing the things True. that you say. We actually do that on purpose. By yeah. seeing the, by, <laughs> by seeing the thing, the, the ways we, that you we've guys taken are taking on as a project. Exactly. <laughs> I, I knew that, dude. I've known that for a couple years now. Not, not even. I didn't want to say anything. Watching how you guys do life and live is an ongoing, dis, like it disciples yeah. me. It's, yeah. a, it's a continuous discipling. And so again, what what am I doing? Or did we have to stop and go? Wait, we need to start discipling each other. No, this is how it works. Right, it just happens. Yeah. No, I, I agree, hundred percent. That's exactly what you guys are in my life as yeah. well. Um, you know, I, I I'm challenged by you guys in so many ways. There's things I see that I need to follow, and there's things I see that I probably should avoid. But we learn that from each other too. Yeah, though. Sure. Learn, well, that's that's discipling too. Yeah. It's yeah. not just do this; it's also don't do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, wow, you know, I need to I need to love my yeah. wife different than I'm loving her because yeah. you know I, I I'm seeing the things that you know. I mean, we, we learn the good and the bad right. from each other. You yeah. know, and, and raising your kids is like, well, that's working really yeah. well. That's a total dream, right? <laughs> not, you know, so those are all things. My my experience was was largely the same. I just watched. You know, there's this. Largely, it's something that God is doing. Exactly. And, and That's not, why it's natural. Not, so he's doing it through his people. I mean, super. It is. But, it, you know, it's again, I have had those guys, that, just like you guys talked yeah. about, I had a guy that I met with early on when I became a Christian. His name was Stan Campbell. He was the worship leader. He got those navigator cars. We memorized scripture. I would sit down with him once a week in his house, and his wife would make tea, and me and another guy got discipled by this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, but, and it was, but it was really just him spending time with us. And I was asking him every question in the world. Yeah. You know, he introduced me to subjects like yeah. What's the mark of the beast? You know, mark of the, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Who's and, the Antichrist? And it was, but it, the, it wasn't even the program we went through. It was just the time spent with this guy and his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a huge impact on me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. And but again, it, it was such a natural thing. And right. so you know, 
for me, it's 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 the same kind of thing you guys have described, and I wish more Christians would just get that. So yeah. there's no shortcut, there's no fast pass, there's no actually like somebody's going to do this for me. And I think so many people think that, like, you need to disciple me, you need right. to make me into a Christian. It's like you've been a Christian longer than I have, dude. What's you know? This you is actually be. what makes that more yeah. worrisome is because of what we're talking about, because God creates this thing in us that be- supernaturally becomes natural. It's yeah. a result of God being in us that we need more of him, that right. we can't get enough of him, and, and that we're surrounding ourselves with things that have to do with him. So when we see the people, like we've seen over the years, that have to constantly, you have to constantly chase them. You have to constantly go after them to find out where they're at. They're waiting for it. You have to constantly twist their arm to get them to come back to a Bible study or to get back to... And, and you got to think, considering what we're talking about, like that maybe there's a bigger problem. And, I'm, and it's not to, that we can make the call like, oh, they're not saved. Uh-huh. But like you really do have to consider why that's there continually yeah. in those people's lives. Why, why don't you have this desire where you have to be there? You know yeah. what I mean? And, and why are you not there unless other people like, you know, exhaust themselves to, continue, to continually contain you? There's right? a passage, and I think it's Timothy... Uh, where Paul basically is saying, um, you know, in the things that I've entrusted to you, now go and entrust to faithful men. And I think that's exactly what you're talking right. about. It, you know, we, we tend to think that, I mean, if you're not going to show up and you're not going to be there, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, hey, would you start meeting with me? And I'm like, yep. And then they <laughs> don't show right, up. Exactly. They show up once and that's the end exactly. of it. So, you know, it, it, faithful men, right. uh, people that, that actually want to do this and want to be involved in it. And that's what, I know you guys yeah. were that way. You you were diving in. You were gorging the word. You were you were in fellowship. You were going right. to everything that was available to you because you were hungry to learn and to grow. Right. And if that's not there, right. you can't place that in somebody you can't produce right. that in somebody no. so that's a, that's a product of yeah. of the supernatural that's a that's an evidence of god in us yeah. sure there's no way i ever would have woke up one day and been like i'm just going to start going this direction right. i'm going to start <laughs> liking the word of god i'm going to start wanting the word of god i'm going to start hanging out with god's people those were never things i would have done on my own and so yeah again it's, it's something i can look back on and go like this is christ in me like right. the only reason I go this direction Amen. is because of Christ in me, and and so you we do have to consider that sometimes when we're chasing down some of these people over and over again, and and I think sometimes that's why I get you know I put up the flag so easy with some of these people, right. and I don't put out the constant phone calls, and I don't it's, it's not that I don't care about them or they're not on my heart, it's just like what like where are they? They know where we're at, they know what we're doing. Why is there no desire to right. you yeah. know? I don't know. Yeah. Well, in discipleship, like it's not an academic pursuit. I mean, you know, no. classes can be helpful, right? I've sat in a lot of classes in my life. I'm sure you guys have too. But but the things I think that have been far more influential than classes has been just kind of the natural, organic, no you know, hang, hanging out with faithful men no doubt. who have imparted that faithfulness to me. And yeah. hopefully now I can do that in my life, yeah. um, you know, to other people. It's the um, kitchen but, table. But, but it's not academic, yeah. and we tend to think that it's more of an academic right. thing, yeah. that, that if, I, if I could just learn more, right. um, you know, th- then I would arrive. And, you know, yeah, we always learn more throughout our whole life. Yeah. But, yeah, just being a disciple, it's, it's just not an academic pursuit. Correct. So it's, so it's an actual... Um, it's an actual like lifestyle yep. thing. It's it, it's an actual doing life with the people of right. God that automatically disciples us. So we had we had a Bible yep. study in our home for years that was a rad Bible study. Like it was it was really cool and uh, there was a good core of people and it was in depth and it was really good. But I, I after the Bible study was over, people would gravitate to the kitchen table or the kitchen or whatever. Study and after the cards study, would yeah. come out yeah. and, and and I think that that in a lot of ways that was more just valuable time um, than even the Bible studies. And, and it, it, not to put one against the other, but to your point, the academics didn't make the difference. The right. difference was just, just doing life with each yeah. other with a, from one believer you to know, another. We, we discount yeah. that so much. And I, you know, there was even a home group in our, or a, a gathering that meets at the Phyllis's, I'll just call it out. Um, you know, after church on the first Sunday of every month, you know, 50 people gather at their house and just enjoy fellowship after church, a meal together and hanging out and talking. And at one point they came to us and said, hey, we really want to change this format and turn it into a community group and make it, you know, where we're, where we're you know, not that those things are bad, yeah. but it was like, oh, you want to break it? We just said, wait yeah. a second, let's look at, <laughs> let's look at what's happening here. Yep. You have people showing up 
a large number of them that are just talking about the sermon they just heard, what's going on in each other's lives. You're seeing people praying for each other. You're seeing the church be the church. Yeah. This is money. You, you can't make it better than what's going on right now. I mean, this is great. And there have been times when people would stop and there would be, you know, something that, that needed to be addressed or whatever, the, you know, prayer or whatever. But it's been a phenomenal for sure. But we discount that kind of stuff and we, we tend to, tip, you know, like right. the academic stuff more sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's, it's um, clearly seen, but we don't clearly see it sometimes like like Jesus did it that way he yeah. did like that way right eating and food in those moments seem to be something like sacred to him without being sacred like without yeah. you know they were something that he knew held like a tremendous amount of value right and so they were always eating together they were always reclining at table <laughs> recline at yeah. the table right well and like he hung out with some pretty sketchy people in some sketchy places too I mean don't yeah you know, like we just have this view of discipleship that has to happen within, you know, the confines of the church, sure. which it should happen within the confines of the church, but it's not limited, you know, to the confines yeah. of the church. Yeah, I would say if you're a person out there that um, is, has an area of their life that they know that they need to grow in and the desire to grow in, your better option would be to try to plug into. So, like, if you know that evangelism is something you're lacking in. Uh, find somebody who's naturally gifted in evangelism and start hanging out with that person. Right. If you know that your marriage is struggling, you know, I, I just, not that this is a marriage struggling thing, but I was so, uh, it was so cool to see, um, you know, Lindy and Levi at mm -hmm. one point, they left the young adult group mm -hmm. and joined a community group mm -hmm. because they recognized we're now married and we have kids and we need to be around other people that are like us yeah. because we need mm -hmm. to learn. Or, or even around people that are before us, ahead of us. Uh, well, yeah. So people yeah. that have raised kids yeah. and come yeah. out of it and have had long exactly. marriages. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, I, I, it's it's those kinds of things, you know, get, like you've said it several times, you know, find somebody that's that's doing what you want to do and get yeah. in their back pocket. Yeah, and crawl start, in their pocket. Crawl in their pocket yeah. and start living yeah. that way for yeah. a while because it really has a huge impact. You know, yeah. I, I grow in my faith because you have faith that you, you have this kind of crazy idea that everything's going to work out somehow. <laughs> and I don't know how that works, but it's like that's that's rubbed off on me over sure. the years, yeah. you know, and, and we do that for each other. So right. um, that's an excellent way to, to grow in your, you know, yeah. your discipleship. Yeah. And then just devour the word of God. <laughs> Yeah. Get in the Word and just watch what it does, man. It will, it will, it'll radically change you. Mm -hmm. So that makes me yeah. think of a, a guy that I used to be in fellowship with, older guy named Don. He was in his seventies, and <clears throat> he would call me out to his house every couple of months and just say, "You want to come out and have a cup of coffee today?" Yep. And he lived way out in the boonies. It was always a you know chore to get to his place, and uh, but just had been a Christian for a long time, you know, most of his adult life. And he just was really intentional with me to say, come on, have a cup of coffee. And we'd talk about life and talk about struggles and talk about the Lord. And he'd share his stories and, you know, stories of, you know, when he, when he worked for NASA back in the day. And, you know, just had cool stories. And he just was a cool guy. But he was really intentional about just every once in a while calling me out and saying, you know, just come sit and let's talk. And, mm -hmm. and you know, he's had an influence in my life. And I always appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of the older people in the church that think that they're, they've been put out to pastor. They don't yeah. have any usefulness anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, that is... That's just a fantastic thing. Sure, I wish yeah. more people would just grab these younger whippersnappers and right. just go and spend some time with them. Yeah, for sure. It's something that the church does. Even over something, just another commonality that you have. Like if you if you like golf and you find someone else who likes golf and you start golfing regularly, guess what's going to end up coming out of that? If you're right. both Christians that are following Christ, right? Then um, so so the medium can be food or golf or you know even a card game you know or whatever. What about a cigar? Uh, I, I found it to be the best medium. <laughs> we'll edit that out later. Yeah, we'll edit that out. We're not going to edit it. I would just say don't, over, don't overcomplicate. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how to edit it. Don't overcomplicate discipleship. It's a beautiful aspect of the Christian life. Oh, I think life. the point yeah. is, and, you know, and I think they've got the point by now, is it's organic. Yep. Like for people that follow Jesus, um, there's going to be um, there's going to be interaction and there's going to be relationship done with other people that follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, yeah. And it's going to do its thing. And I think you'll yeah. find even as, even if you have some intention with, um, you know, like Don in my life, say, I'm going to, I'm going to come and, you know, try to speak into your life. Like you'll find that as you try to disciple people that you'll be discipled, mm -hmm. right? It goes both ways. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a two way street and, and even, um, you know, young people can disciple old people and old people can disciple younger people. And it just, you know, as Christians, it, it's just, we're always discipling and being discipled. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's good. Yeah. All right. Awesome. We just handled that. Yeah. Right. That's we'll all right in an hour. That's all we've got to say about right that. Right in so. an hour. So, so next week, we'll next get week into getting loony. more more <laughs> crazy stuff. We'll talk about the mark of the beast. So tune in and... <laughs> We'll answer all your questions. We'll yeah. see if you're still saved or not. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> see if you're right or if you're wrong. That's awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, all guys. Right. See you next week.
Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org. Mm-hmm.